0: Welcome, I'm Connor Beaton and this is the Man Talk Show, training for men and answers for women. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love and business. And joining me today is Stefanos Sivandos, hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, but Stefanos has been immersed in deep men's empowerment work and exploration of intimate and sacred relationships for a long time, merging the best of Eastern and Western methodologies and philosophies to promote balance, sacredness, and power in life and love, using integrative techniques and methods such as natural empowerment, shamanic praxis, holotropic and biodynamic breathwork, traumatic release and integration, Western psychology, Eastern mysticism, and more. He has created programs, models, and systems to enhance the quality of life, intimate relationships, and in essence, bring you closer to your potential. So uh, Stephanos and I talk about a number of different things. Um, A lot of it revolves around masculine-feminine dynamics. So this podcast really focuses in on... How do men and women interact? How does the masculine and feminine uh, polarities within our relationships interact, within ourselves interact? And how do we better embody these masculine and feminine qualities and traits to allow ourselves a more fluid, dynamic, and empowering way of living, way of loving, uh, way of creating intimacy and sexual attraction within our lives and our relationships? So it's a really great conversation. If you are curious about learning more, you can definitely check out some of the work that he's doing. Um, But a lot of the stuff that we talk about are things that we cover and teach uh, and train on within our men's weekends and within our workshops that we lead. So just a few housekeeping notes here. Obviously, we do have the men's weekend coming up in March and we'll be releasing the June weekend. Uh, So if you've been interested in doing some men's work with me, uh, and my, and myself and Trevor Boehm, who is the co-lead for those men's weekends, uh, then definitely, uh, head on over to mantox.com or conobeden.com and check those out. Uh, the June weekend, while it's not launched, uh, is going to be on the East coast and we already have a wait list for it. Apparently there's a bunch of people that can't make the March weekend, but are interested in that one. So if you are interested in that, please email info at and let us know so we can put you on the wait list because there's about a dozen guys that are waiting for that to launch. Uh, And on a side note, just a quick reminder that Vienna and I have two things coming up that are going to be really powerful deep dives. One is a couples workshop on February 15th. And this is going to dive deep into how to re-engage and create that attraction in your relationship. It is specifically for couples. So it's a couples only workshop. Uh, It's going to be here in New York City on February 15th. And we're going to give you the tools, the practices to reignite intimacy, to unpack that uh, communication that leads to a deeper intimacy. And that will be based on parts work. It will be based on um, the the polarity between the masculine and feminine. And we'll give you tools and uh, experiences throughout the workshop to actually take home with you and to practice with your partner at home. Uh, And then finally, Vienna and I are leading a retreat that is for individuals uh, in April in upstate New York. So if you want more information on that, you can either find it on my website or hers, which is newyorkcouplescounseling.com. So with all that said, I hope to see you out at one of our live events. If you have any questions on those weekends or those retreats, please email me uh, at info at mantalks.ca. And without any further delay, please welcome Stephanos to the show.
1: Man, it's uh, such an honor to be here, super excited.
0: Yeah, likewise. Honor, honor to have you on the show. And uh, I think Traver put us in touch after coming in, uh, sort of seeing some of the work that, that you and some of your colleagues are doing with Sacred Sons and some of the men's work that you're doing. So it's great to have you on the show. Sounds like we're uh, we're sort of rolling in, in similar lines of work, which is awesome. I always love chatting with guys that are uh, in the same space. So let's start off with with the the question that I ask everyone, which is tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today.
1: Yeah, um, I think like many of us, there have been many and many that we actually miss. (laughs) That's why they keep occurring. And Most of the time, those defining moments, not always, but most of the time, those defining moments are riddled with pain and fear and despair and difficulty and challenge and part of the hero's journey, I suppose. For me, one of those really great defining moments was um, about six years ago where I was in a relationship and an intimate romantic relationship. And my partner at the time, she discovered that I was being unfaithful in that relationship. And that really opened up uh, a very, very large can of worms. And I started to really look at my life and my behavior and how I was being and, and why I was living in the shadows so much, why I was uh, so deceitful and disrespectful and dishonouring of myself, my own needs, my own values and and her needs as well and why I had so much fear in my body and was so aggressive in the outside world. I was so angry, so frustrated Um, and really just seeing her pain and, and really linking that to my actions and how I was behaving and being. It brought it brought up a lot of shame, a great deal of shame, and it wasn't just shame in the present; it was shame from the past. Shame. All these memories started coming back to me that I'd repressed from my childhood, and I started to see myself and the world in a very different way. And it was very overwhelming at that time, and and very confronting, very very confronting. And that shame, I I, I couldn't I couldn't shift the shame and. What that started to do was paralyze my actions and my thoughts and my emotions and I went into a tailspin in, in various ways and I, I made a decision to either – cho- I had two choices. I was really at a fork in the road. I could either continue the same behavior and continue to repress and suppress myself and numb myself, you know, with television, with excessive work, with alcohol, with pornography, with womanizing, with anything, excessive exercise, with anything and everything that I was doing at that time and and just blame everything but myself or not take responsibility for what was actually happening in my life and the fact that I wasn't really truthful and enjoying my life or I could go down this rabbit hole that, that was opened up that I had opened up in in various ways and that was opened up in my in that relationship and really explore who I was being and why and and understand myself and create a new version of myself in the world and knowing that that would be a massive undertaking. And so I chose the latter and it really was a defining moment because I' started to discover more about myself, more about my traumas that I' experienced as a child and, you know, the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, the volatility, the violence, the disconnection and the feeling very unsafe in my environment. I started tracking back a lot of who I'd been during my teenage years and, and my adult adult life at that point, up to that point, um, largely on, on what I'd experienced as a child and how I, how I made those experiences mean something, how I interpreted them and how I also suppressed certain experiences and the relationship and relationships I had to really key figures in my life, such as my parents, as an example. And so... That really changed a lot for me. I, I mean, I went, I gave up my businesses at the time. I went into a lot of debt. I, I had no money. I spent hours and hours every day in quote unquote personal growth and personal development. I sought masters. I sought spiritual healers, psychologists, counselors, shamans, uh, coaches, mentors. Like I, I went all in. I really went all in. And, um, it was life changing for me, massively life changing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you and I have very similar pathways and uh, very similar jump off points for, you know, the, the sort of like crux of what has led both of us to this work, which is which is always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say was, you know, as you started to do that work and you started to dig into you know, what had led you to that that place in the relationship with, with the infidelity and, and, and whatnot. What would you say were some of the patterns that as you started to do the work you you saw as contributing to that to that behavior because I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed with a lot of guys is they're really trying to figure out what's leading them to the bad behavior, what's leading them to, you know, not having the healthy habits, to, you know, the excessive porn watching or the drinking to numb out or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I'm, I'm just hoping that you can shed some light on that for the listeners.
1: Mm. It's interesting, you know, As men, we we want to fix things, and we say this—you you hear this often. Men want to fix. Men want to fix, and that's a that's a primal biological function for us to create homeostasis in our environment. And for me, I started unpacking all this, and I just wanted to fix it immediately. And so, what I had to do—and I'll, I'll get to the definitely get to the patterns in a second—what I, what I had to, which is a really important piece, what I had to do was just not fix it and just actually observe it and be with it and. Attempt to understand it, but more feel it. I had to really feel it and stop suppressing it. So some of the patterns that I noticed, one that was really, really prominent for me was I, I was deeply unfaithful. There was a lot of prostitution and there was, there was novelty and, and um, new women as, as often as I could because I was searching for something and I was searching to be, essentially, I was searching to be loved. I was searching to be approved of. That came from a deep yearning to be seen by my father, um, particularly my father, and to be approved and accepted by him. And so the the essence of that, the the psychological yearning of that, transferred into sexual intimacy. And so there was parts of me that was pursuing this this intimacy and connection and depth. And if I could be with as many women as possible, particularly women that that I hadn't really that I didn't really know. Then it, it really enhanced my chances of them being impressed with me, or I could perform a particular way. It was, there was a novelty. There it wasn't even them just being impressed with me, but there was a novelty there. And so, I translated that novelty as them really being into me and, and approving of me, or caring for me, or being appreciative of what I would give them, or who I was, or you know, or whether it be my physical body or. A sexual performance. And I was just caught in this loop and this trap. And that's a very subtle trap. And so I was searching for intimacy in in these novel relationships. And, and I was confusing that deeply. And so I got caught in that cycle because it would give me a high and it would give me that hit. And so I needed more of it. And I just pursued that incessantly. And once I realized that I needed to stop finding and seeking approval and appreciation outside of myself and I needed to give it to myself, I needed to reparent my inner child and look at me from that perspective, then things really started to shift and my addictive, unhealthy, extreme behavior almost literally dissipated instantly through these revelations and through these deeper understandings of myself. But it required a lot of digging and a lot of work. It required a lot of support from professionals. And honestly, man, it required a lot of me being in solitude and being with my stuff and being with these very uncomfortable, painful feelings that so many of us experience that we very conveniently numb and forget about.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's powerful and and. Also, at the same time, something that I see as being very common. And, you know, I think this really a part of what we're sort of talking about here is like the intersection between intimacy and performance for a man and how those two things can sometimes uh, when when they coincide in an unhealthy way. Really start to be like the escape mechanism or the eject button for a man in his life, and so uh, can you speak just a little bit more to to that and and what you have seen through the work that you've done personally and with men, uh, you know, throughout your career, what what have you seen that is contributing to that sort of unhealthy leaning on uh, performance and intimacy?
1: There's, There's there's some primal drivers, so there's a fear of rejection. A fear of abandonment and a fear of humiliation, particularly for men. That's why pornography is so easy. That's why pornography is such an easy avenue to seek approval and to experience some level of intimacy because we associate ejaculation and orgasm. They can be two different things and they can be one in the same. We associate that with intimacy. And so in pornography, A woman is never dissatisfied. She's never going to comment on your performance issues. She's not going to comment on the size of your member or the shape of it or what it looks like. She's not going to say that you're performing badly. She's not going to reject you and say, I don't want sex this evening or you're not good enough or you're not enough or whatever it may be. Or I've had a bad day and I don't want to be with you and you can't make me happy. Pornography is always going to satisfy. It's also a very unrealistic depiction of what sexual intimacy actually looks like. Um, sometimes it's accurate, but for the vast majority of the time, it's not, and it's not sustainable in that way, because humans are very diverse in their interests, and so we become very easily addicted—not just so much to the pornography, but to the aversion of the fears that we are so scared of. We're scared of the, we're fearful of the fear itself, and experiencing the fear of rejection, abandonment, humiliation. And so we do anything and everything we can to move away from that. That's what I did. It's very difficult for someone to say anything to you negatively if you're paying them for sex. So many men pay for sex far more than women. There are women that pay for sex as well, but it's not, it's not a massively common cultural practice. Nowhere near the, the, the industry that how men are. And so for so many years, even though you know I was a, an, an, I am an you know, attractive guy I'm not I'm confident in myself. It wasn't that I was not confident it wasn't uh, you know an attraction again is a subjective thing. it's not an, it's so much an objective parameter but I was confident in myself and it, but I still didn't want to take the risk around I was that confidence a lot of it was being was masking a, a shit ton of fear that I was experiencing that I wasn't even aware of. That was really driving all of my behaviours. And so when I'm working with men, a lot of it is this fear of being seen for the first time ever because they haven't really been witnessed and they haven't been seen by their primary caregivers. You know, the, Fundamentally, the, the first most important relationship we, relationships we form during our developmental years is that to our mother and that to our father or, or what represents the mother and the father. Because sometimes it's not biological mom and dad. Sometimes it's an auntie or an uncle. Sometimes it's a foster parent, whatever it may be, right? And so we deify our parents. And if they let us down, which the majority of the time our parents do because they're human, right, <laughs> they let us down this 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 biological slash cultural expectation we have and we get disappointed. And depending on our personality, depending on our attachment style, depending on other variables, what we make that mean can either lift us up and and give us real confidence in the world, authentic confidence, or it can really demolish our sense of self. And our, our sense of self-worth just comes comes lower and lower and lower. And we seek ultimately to replace that or to heighten that. And it's so confronting for the ego to say, I have low self-worth. What are some healthy ways to, to really help myself? It's easier to live in the shadows and to seek that outside. So if you're seeking approval, you can go seek approval in Pornography, you can seek approval in alcohol, you can seek approval in being an overachiever at work and doing and doing and doing at the sacrifice of your health and your values, but you're being approved by a boss or by your peers or by a company or an organization. And so we have to be mindful we don't get caught in these traps. And what's really driving these traps is fundamentally it's a fear of being witnessed. Or a fear of being judged and ridiculed, rejected, abandoned, humiliated, these are fundamental drivers.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the really sort of poignant pieces that you're dropping there is this concept of self-validation mm. and really being able to cultivate a, a deep sense of of inner self-worth. And I think that it, you know, if you read um, for a lot of the people that are out there that have read, you know, things like meditations by Marcus Aurelius, or you, you go back and you read um, any, any of like the real literature from the Stoics, what they're really talking about is is finding a sense of worth or meaning or mm-hmm. you know whatever word you want to inject in there, uh, and and being able to cultivate that within ourselves rather than having it be so or solely dependent on other people. Mm-hmm. So I guess you know my my question for you then is because I I don't know about you and I'd be interested to get your take on this but I have noticed that this is a really common um, it's a really common struggle for a lot of modern men to have a sense of deep self-worth, mm. being able to cultivate a sense of self-validation and, and, and to show up in their relationships and in their work environments with that sense of self-worth and validation. So I guess it's sort of two parts, uh, you know, one, do you agree with that and, yes, and have I'll you do. see it show up? And yeah and secondly what's causing that like what's sort of i think you alluded to it before but what's what would you say is really like some of the systemic issues that are leading to this lack of self-worth and self-validation
1: there's a number of layers that are affecting that and there's a paradox around this validation so we're social and relational beings by nature and so it's a universal principle of relationship, so to speak. I mean, I'm sitting on a chair right now. I have a relationship with this chair. I'm not not singular by nature. We live in a realm of duality. And so the paradox is that we seek validation for ourselves and a sense of self-worth outside of ourselves, and we have to, quote, unquote, stop doing that. And we actually need people to still validate ourselves. It's just how we're doing it that is becoming unhealthy. It's how we're relying on that validation and the amount of emphasis and value and meaning we're placing on that. And so a quick fix, I, was, I shouldn't say quick fix, but a, one of one of the biggest issues that we're facing as well alongside this self-worth, this low self-worth, this confusion that we have as men is isolation. We, we feel, would you agree with that, that so many men are isolated and feel isolated?
0: 100, 100%, 100% yeah. absolutely.
1: Massively, massively. And so- If we look back at how we've evolved, we've evolved in bands and in tribes, essentially. And at some point, obviously, we were quite alone and isolated, not in the psychological sense, but in the environmental sense. But as we sort of grew and developed as humanoids over the last two point something million years, and we've developed and we've developed and we've developed, we've we've grown up and we've evolved in bands and tribes. So your value was really directly related to what you offered your sense of mastery your skill set in the tribe now from an evolutionary perspective or a brain development perspective that's embedded in our neurology right and so we were in small groups maybe you were you were a master uh, tool maker or maybe you were really good at setting and setting the perimeter and, and maybe you were really good at hunting maybe you were really good at building shelter whatever it was everyone played a role. And maybe you played multiple roles, but you knew what that role was, and you didn't. I don't think there was, and this is hard to tell, of course. But I don't think there was a massive issue with, oh, I'm not worthy. And plus, psychological development back then, hundreds of thousands of years ago, compared to now, is very different. But we didn't have that that social complexity that we do now. And so, some of the causes are, and when I say cause, I don't mean this in a negative way, but some of the reasons why we're confused is the Technology, globalization, um, the, the the fast track connectedness that we have, social media. There's 7.6 billion people on the planet. Our brains cannot compute that. The 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 rising wave of feminism, the waves, the various waves of feminism. Now, this isn't blaming women or blaming feminism in any capacity. It's it's however there is a there's a reason why men are also confused. We you know we're we're swinging the pendulum in extremes where we've been extremely oppressive as a society and now we're almost swinging the other way and it's causing confusion because there are cultural elements to what allows us to be in homeostasis and there are biological elements of what allows us to be in homeostasis and i I say homeostasis is balance right so when we look to nature we see that the, the trees and animals and the ecosystems will do their best to intrinsically move to be in balance extremes aren't really healthy right you look at buddhism the middle path of the middle way there's something to be said about that and so humans are no different in terms of how we want to have our relationships and how we see ourselves we want to be in balance and we also learn through extremes i think one of the issues we face is that we spend too much time in extremes and not enough time exploring the middle path and we're addicted to these extremes and i think we're sort of in an extreme now where Parts of society, particularly in the Western world, are devaluing the role of man and the the role of masculinity. And what we don't like, essentially, masculinity has devalued the role of femininity for a long time. That's not healthy because by default, it's two sides of the same coin. We can't just ignore the other side of the coin because it makes the side that we are advocating for. And so there needs to be an advocation for both sides. And so I know there's a lot there there's a lot to when I say that there's a lot that is leading to this but that that's the the layers that we have we're not complicated we're just complex there are layers to us we're not massively difficult to understand and we can be because we're moving in these extremes and so this sense of self-worth that we have that's really low is it comes as well from a from a place of being super busy in this world and that's a systemic issue of our socioeconomic models now you you see you see advocates now for four-day work weeks and seven-hour work days and we're finding that we're putting too much emphasis and too much value on this working output i'm not i'm not saying that working is a bad thing In fact, men need to use their hands more. They need to have mastery and craft because that brings them back into a sense of themselves. We're very visceral, physical beings, particularly, I mean, women are as well, but particularly men in terms of creating, we create with our hands and we create amazing things out into the world. And we do that, but we're sort of doing it on autopilot now as if it's a a need and a necessity and it's a pressure, it's an obligation. And part of that is linked to the monetary system that we're a part of. If we don't make money, of course, then we're um, we're unable to eat and provide shelter and we're unable to uh, provide and, and pursue things that are of interest. And there's, there's keeping up with the Joneses. And so there's many, many things that are impacting our sense of self-worth. Media is another one. Again, social media is another one. We're being bombarded every day unconsciously and consciously with advertisements basically saying if you don't have this you're not good enough and so we believe that and we need to then go pursue that and do whatever we need to do so we're getting in massive debt that makes us feel like shit we're not providing enough we have families but we don't spend enough time with them our health is going away so many people are sedentary obesity is a fucking epidemic I mean, these all contribute to low self-worth. We're not living on purpose. We're in jobs that many of us, I'm not speaking for me now. I love what I do and how what my service and how I spend my days. I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to have that. But let's be very real. The majority of people are not. And they hate what they do and how they yeah. spend their time. That lends to low self-worth. And so people are exhausted at the end of the day, coming home after 12, 15-hour days. They hate themselves because they have families, yet they can't spend time with them. And it's really difficult to say, hey, I want to spend more time with you, but I can't. So it's easier to ignore the problem. So I'm just going to watch TV. I'm going to have six beers. I'm going to repeat in the morning. And and every evening, I'm going to forget about it. And I'll watch porn. I'll wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, watch porn, go back to sleep. Because I've lost connection with my partner as well because – we're just not talking because I, I I am disgruntled with life now. That's a quasi extreme example that I'm giving, but is it? Is it really? Maybe it's not. Maybe that's more the norm than what we think. And so I, I hope and I think I've answered your question to some degree.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you know, as as it's maybe more evident now with your response is that it's. It's a really calm, not complex, but th- th- there are many different avenues that are leading to this um, erosion. I guess you could say of a sense yeah. of self worth. And I think you know I'd be remiss to say that that it's it's a male exclusive thing. You know I think that women are definitely struggling with this as well. But but we're you know you and I are for the sake of this conversation really honing in on on what men are facing within this conversation. And, you know, I, I think to your point there, there's many different versions of what's happening, right? And for some guys, you know, for some men, it's going to trace back to their childhood. For some men, it's going to trace to a lack of, of a sense of purpose or contribution, whether it's yep. within their work environment or, you know, a, a sense of passion in their life. And so there's so many things that contribute to this. I think one of the interesting and, uh, you know, maybe newer, you know, quote unquote newer pieces that's added into this is... Is the confusion around something like masculinity, and and the confusion that seems to have erupted amongst you know what it means to be a man within our modern culture, and I think for for a while, uh, for a period of time, men had maybe simpler. "Quote unquote" roles where it seemed more obvious where they could get a sense of purpose and function from, and our societies have sort of fallen in line. I know we're kind of going a very academic route in this conversation, but I think it's I think it's important. But you know, our societies and our cultures sort of formed around uh, you know making sure or sort of giving men a sense of purpose, and whether that was you know healthy uh, ways in in terms of contribution, or you know whether it was through war or or whatever it was. But it was very clear for the most part what a man's role was in society. And now I think a lot of men, at least a lot of the men that I've talked to and that have come and worked with me, they are are really lost uh, when it comes to understanding what their role is, what their place is. And there is a huge question mark around what it means to not only be a modern man, but what it means to have something like healthy masculinity. And so uh, I would love for you to just weigh in on that. You know, what for you, what constitutes as, some, as, as healthy masculinity?
1: So, you know, something that's interesting in, in today's society, we live in a, in a world of short, like quick fix and, and short-term gratification. And we, we want to reduce, we want to take this reductionist approach to, to as much as possible and simplify The, the complex and I'm all for simplifying. It's something that's really, really important. And sometimes it just takes us a little bit of time to get there and we have to unpack the layers and go into depth and sometimes complexity before we can actually simplify. And so what you're asking is a massive, massive question. And I Mm -hmm. think it comes down to two, because I'm going to try and simplify now as best as possible. Right. And it comes down to two questions. What does it mean to be a good man? And what does it mean to be good at being a man? because I think they're very they're two very different questions. The first is more a, a cultural subjective construct, and the latter, what does it mean to be good at being a man, I believe is somewhat more vested in our biology, is more vested in remaining true to our physicality, and I think that plays a role. I don't think it's the whole picture. I just think it plays a role. I don't sit in the camp of nature or nurture. I, I believe both play a role, and I, I think we're discovering more and more of that as science goes on. So... Healthy masculinity. I'm not going to going to so much say what it is because I, I there's there's many things that I think it is. I have I have essentially 20 principles around healthy masculinity that I've that I've created, and there are also when we're talking about masculine feminine polarities and expressive energies which reside in, in every human being as part of the, the, the realm of duality that we live in. Um, there are many attributes, that, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll list some of those that, that contribute to healthy masculinity. But before we go there, I want to I go back to our biology for a moment. And, and I want to help men understand how important, how simple, yet how important it is to be in our physical bodies. And so let me elaborate. A man that spends time. Sharpening his tools in the realm of the physical is a man that is living a more earnest, honest and authentic life. And so I'm not insinuating that you, you, you know, you're 3% body fat and you're the strongest man in the world or the fastest man in the world or the most adept athlete. It's not about that. It's about having trust in your body. It's about being physically connected to your body, that you're able and adept, that you spend time working in and on your body. To be physically strong, that requires you to be emotionally and mentally strong and resilient. It requires you to explore challenge and pain. It also infers that you respect yourself enough to look after this physical vessel that houses your intelligence, your mind, your heart, your consciousness, whatever, your soul, depending on what your beliefs are. You carry that self-respect. It means you also have self-assurance. It means you understand yourself at a deeper and different level. It means you carry certainty and confidence in your demeanor and your posture. This immediately makes you attractive. If we're talking about attraction dynamics, you're immediately attracted attractive to the opposite sex because a woman biologically unconsciously is going to want to look for a mate that is able to care for themselves that is able to make decisions to make decisions quickly that is safe to be near that is strong and able and these are biological functions that are the evolutionary functions and men look for specific things with women as well when we're talking about mateship and connection and intimacy and, and being together and, and reproduction and all of that. These biological drivers, they still exist within us. And so they still, fun, they still determine how we relate and interact with each other. And we, when we, when we, so again, so many people are sedentary. So many people sacrifice their health at the expense of something else. And that shows in your personality and your demeanor. It shows in how you look after yourself and what you, how you care about yourself. And so there's great importance when we're talking about masculinity. You can be, quote unquote, a good man. You can be an honorable man. You can have carry courage in your in yourself and so forth. But that's a very subjective term. And an example of that that I often give is that of, and this is an extreme example, but it makes a lot of sense, that of a suicide bomber. So the suicide bomber is attached to a particular sect or group of people. He goes and he does his thing. His group of people... Say that he's courageous, that he's a man of God, that he's a good man, that he's done the right thing, that he has morals, that this this is this this thing that he's done, which has blown himself up and other people, is what makes a good, healthy man. Now, other people that are looking at that act are thinking he's not a good man, he's a quote unquote bad man, he's evil, he has no morals, he's a murderer. He's not a healthy person. So one same act. One one camp is saying that's a good man. The other camp is saying that's a bad man. So before we even answer those questions, we have to really go into what constitutes being good at being a man and start mastering that. Now, I understand people may say, well, what if that bomber was also, you know, had mastered his body and had gone into the physical and, and, and really respected himself in that way. But if he's killing himself, how much does he really respect his body? And so there's there's nuances here that we have to look at and there are somewhat exceptions. But for the common man, for, for us common men, the men that are here, that are living life, that are asking about what does it mean to be a healthy man because people that are, um, are conducting acts like that, I don't really think are asking that question from a, a very specific perspective, is start with the physical. Start with getting into your body, being healthy. Start with connecting to that part of yourself. And then start to notice how you start thinking about yourself and about the world. What what effect that has on your sense of self, your sense of self worth, your confidence, how you respect yourself, and how you then pass that respect on to others. That's a really solid place to start.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's some really sage advice, and you know, I think it's a, it, this is an important conversation. I think it's one that you know there are many people starting to engage in of you know what does it mean to. Have healthy masculinity within you, you know, and and how does it show up? How do you engage in that? Um, so I, I like the sort of direction that you're giving in terms of where where people can start to explore this for themselves. Um, I think one of the interesting pieces. Some,
1: sorry, can I add something to that? Yeah, please. Yeah, I'd like to add something to that because two things. Firstly, the, men yearn to be challenged. We we actually thrive in challenge and conflict. And we grow massively in that space. And so, the physical is a healthy way. When you challenge yourself, you go for a run, you, you, you get into the boxing ring, you you you, you lift heavy weights. You, you start to challenge yourself. You start to grow. It's a healthy way to do that. It's a healthy way to push your limits—mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. If you couple that then with being in a group of men, so say you know you have a weekly running group where you run out in the forest and you actually team that up with nature as well, and you run with a group of men, or maybe you you know you lift logs and you, you move rocks and you just do funky stuff out there, right? But you're you're physically challenging yourselves, or you've got a group of guys that you roll with and you do jiu jitsu with or wrestling or something, forming those intimate bonds with men as well. That's why. That's why the military is so powerful at what it does in terms of bringing groups of men together because it's tapping into something very primal. When you're sharing conflict and challenge and you're, and you're, you're experiencing pain and you're overcoming that pain, those bonds that men form are so deep. So when a man leaves the military or loses, loses friends in the military or distances himself, he, he slumps into deep, deep depression because he's essentially lost a sense of a part of himself And so when you are able to share these deep experiences, challenging experiences with other men, and you have men that you can rely on, men that witness you and that mirror you and that see you and call you forward and inspire you, that's where men and healthy masculinity needs to start, being with other healthy men and being in the physical body. Now, yes, there are many more things than just that, but if I I give you 10, 12, 15, 18, 25 points, it's, it's it's a fruitless task because yeah <laughs> those two yeah those two points there I feel are so powerful and pertinent and something that's missing in modern masculinity that I think it's a game changer for every area of life purpose relationships sexual intimacy career health family everything
0: yeah I I agree and I think one of the one of the like really powerful pieces that you're talking about there and this is something that we you know, at the men's weekends we dive into is, the, is just like the shift between competition-based relationships amongst men versus challenge-based relationships. And, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic because I think for a lot of guys, one of the reasons why they feel so isolated is that they are unconsciously in competition with a lot of the men in their life. And they're sort of in competition with their success, with how attractive their partner is with, you know, what what their bodies look like and et cetera, et cetera. And all of that sort of going on in the background. And, you know, when we're competing with someone there, we don't want them to know <laughs> where we're struggling, right? Like we, we don't want them to know our weaknesses. Uh, And so I see a lot of men that within their men's circle, because what I've noticed is when you dig a little bit deeper, guys are usually like, oh, yeah, I I have been in my life. Like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I have been in my life, but I still feel lonely. I still feel isolated. Mm -hmm. And when I dig a little bit deeper, I almost always inevitably find that they feel like they can't share their weaknesses with other men, be, with the men that are already in their life, simply because they feel like there's some unspoken competition that's happening. So for the listeners that are out there, you know, based on on what you've seen, how do you guys start to, how do men start to open themselves up to more challenge-based relationships and and what are some of the benefits that you've seen by engaging in that simple act amongst their male friends? Some
1: of the benefits are that that men immediately stop projecting on their partners on their on their uh, in their intimate romantic relationships, or they stop withdrawing so much. So instead of this being this massive withdrawal in the relationship and this quietness and isolation or this massive projection and leaning on their partners too much, they actually are able to take their issues to a healthy group of men because we all experience pain and difficulty. It's part of life. We all experience challenge. And how we deal with it really defines our sense of self, our worth, um, how attractive we are and magnetic we are to other people and the level of joy that we experience in life and so having a, a group of healthy men that can reflect back to you um, who you are and how you're being and can you know call you forward in a non-judgmental way but tell you the truth no bullshit just tell you who you are and what's happening what they're seeing from their perspective can be deeply empowering and revealing I always have a, a three step a three-step process when any man is in intimate relationship with for dealing with conflict firstly deal with it yourself. Go to you, number one. Be practice self-reliance. Go into solitude, disappear into the wilderness for a couple of days or whatever. Be with it yourself.
0: Yeah. Can can I just pause there for a second? Cause I, yeah. I think you're hitting on a, a great on a like a really great point. You know, I love the the idea of going into the wilderness by yourself or taking a solo trip. And I'm always blown away by how many men are really confronted by just doing that one simple act. So can you dig into that just a little bit deeper? Yeah, because we're... I think it's really important
1: yeah and so the, the issue is that we, again so we live in a world of isolation we are more we're surrounded by more people than ever yet we feel more alone than ever. And so that isolation perpetuates and and perpetuates more in our lives and compounds in and of itself. And so being in the wilderness we experience that as isolation. There's a, there's a key distinction I make between solitude and isolation. Solitude has to come from a healthy place. Sometimes we force the solitude, but we're coming from a place of awareness, because we we force it because we know that we're going to experience some pain, so we're sort of reluctant, and so we have to move into it. But solitude comes from a place of, I want to grow and challenge myself, and I know that in solitude, in stillness, in silence, and in that space, I will discover more about me, and I'll be able to bring that to the world and find greater peace and clarity and purpose and momentum. An example of that is a rite of passage. That boy that's turning into a man, maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, gets sent into the wilderness, gets sent into the desert. In in Australian indigenous terms, it's called walkabout. And when he comes back three, four, five, six days later, after being self-sufficient, after exploring himself and understanding himself, he's greeted by men men of the community, maybe his father, maybe his uncles, maybe his brothers, maybe other community men, and they reflect back to him this new version that has come out and immersed out of the wilderness, has emerged from the wilderness, and now he's a man. Part of the rite of passage, right? Now that solitude is a deliberate movement towards understanding self. It comes from a place of ultimately empowerment. Isolation comes from fear. It's fear of being alone, fear of being seen, fear of experiencing emotions that we consider negative, such as sadness, anger, jealousy, fear itself. And so isolation is is we we move away from the world because we think, well, it's easier to be alone and it's more comfortable to be alone than it is to be with other people because that's difficult to manage and that brings anxiety up in me. And so I'm just gonna be them by myself. I'm gonna eat them by myself. I'm gonna watch porn by myself. I'm gonna watch movies by myself. I'm gonna play video games. I'm gonna distract I'm gonna I'm gonna numb myself as an example. And so why men struggle and have so much fear around just disappearing out into the wilderness for a couple of days and camping is, one, because we most men don't have the skill set to do that. Although it's not hard to just jump in a car and, and sleep in the back seat or whatever, right? You don't have to necessarily know how to pitch a tent. It doesn't really matter too much. We find convenient excuses. But we're so accustomed to isolation. The paradox though, right, we're accustomed to isolation in a busy world. And so when we get out into wilderness, we feel isolated, which we hate, by the way, but we're in a busy world. Now, if we're watching TV, if we're watching porn, if we're playing video games, we're busying ourselves. If we're socializing and drinking and we can still feel alone, but we're busying ourselves with external stimulus. When we're in nature, all of that is removed and you start stripping back the layers and you're just with self. The world is full of paradoxes, so if I'm saying – a lot of opposite things at the moment, good. That's what you should be picking up on because these are the paradoxes that we live in. This is how the psyche protects itself. It develops coping strategies, compensatory strategies to move away from what's painful. And What I'm saying is, and you mentioned stoicism earlier, there's something to be said for moving into challenge. There's something to be said that's very valuable for the masculine mind that moves into, into experiencing some pain and dealing with those fears. And so – Whilst I say the first port of call is really great if you can be on your own with your stuff, it's not always possible for someone. So they may have to um, flip number one and two. Number two is once you've been with it yourself, then go to a group of men if you still need more clarity. Go to those brothers that you can lean on, those brothers that are in close physical proximity to you. And if they're not in close physical proximity, then maybe they're a phone call away. You know, it's that it's that type of thing. And then you bring that issue to your wife or to your partner when you're not charged emotionally with it, when you have a clarity with it. She doesn't want to deal with your uncertainty. She doesn't want to deal with your emotional volatility. No human being really does. And it's not fair that we project that. And so be with yourself. Learn with – that was a hard lesson I learned, man. I would project so much. I I wouldn't be calm in the face of adversity. Well, it depends. I would be – it's interesting – like I would, in my relationships, I wouldn't be calm because I experienced that emotional volatility. But in dangerous situations, it was an issue. I mean, I remember at a time where it was only a few years ago. I, I walked into a fucking burning house and picked up a, an elderly gentleman who was 70-something years old because he had passed out and he'd, he's an, he was an alcoholic and he smoked cigarettes and he was burning his house and it was literally two, thousand, two houses down from me. I walked in there, picked him out, and the house collapsed literally seconds later. So it's interesting how men won't have an issue with going into the physical danger, most men, right? But they have this issue of going within themselves. And there's a fear to go within and explore the emotional realm of being. And I was like that for a long time. I was able to emote, but I wasn't emoting in, in a relevant way that I was really still an avoidance. And so I think that you know, just to loop back for a moment, or what does masculinity look like? I think. If I had to sum it up, the path of, of masculinity now and moving forward is our ability to continue to explore the outer world whilst we delve deep into the inner chasms of our being and explore that because men are really good at exploring. And so that for me is what is going to define masculinity moving forward.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's it's almost like the call to adventure, you know, the call to, to action that I think a, a lot of modern guys are really missing. And we don't have a, we don't have a sort of quote unquote call to arms anymore. And I think mm-hmm. the call to arms is really for ourselves to go within and, and, you know, look at the war that's being fought, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> within our psyche, within our minds, within our hearts and our souls, you know, and being able to set barricades and boundaries with the inner critic and see how our, you know, the, the victim within us is, 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 uh, you know, projecting itself onto partners and dismantling relationships and destroying our family or business or whatever it might be, and and to be able to rein that in, I think is one of the one of the most powerful journeys that we can go on. So, listen, man, I I really appreciate you. And I, there's a lot that we didn't get into here. We <laughs> we kind of just scratched the surface. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Happy to be back, brother. Happy to be back.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I'm think going to have to have you back on the show and you and I can jam uh, on polarity and attraction dynamics and kind of get into that specifically. Um, but I think this was a great a great start and a, a great start to a, probably a multiple part conversation. So yeah. thanks so much for joining yeah. me. And, um, you know, where where would you like people to, to go to learn more about you and the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for that, my friend. Um, Stefanos Safandos is my Instagram handle or Facebook handle and um is my website and you'll find all the information on me there really
0: awesome yeah so we'll have links to that in the show notes you can check them out uh we'll also have links to that when i post it up on instagram so don't forget to uh, check them out and don't forget to share this episode you know this is a this is a great conversation i think a lot of people are looking to better understand so make sure that you man it forward share it with just one person Uh, And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, We're pretty active on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher and a few other platforms. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.